This podcast is sponsored by Uncana, trusted natural solutions. Uncana is a leading voice of advocacy for CBD in the veteran LEO and federal communities. Veteran owned and operated, the Uncana team is actively fighting for DOD access to CBD with political pressure, community support, and a simple message. Hashtag OpNatural. Uncana is vertically integrated with industry leaders from seed to sell, supplying premium small batch products to America's best. Use code MENTORS4MIL the number four, M-I-L, at checkout at uncana.com to receive your amazing discount. Read the Mentors for Military disclaimer at mentorsformilitary.com slash disclaimer. For Military Podcast. Hey everybody, on this podcast, we're going to be talking about under pressure and the life under pressure that is. And, um, you know, about what, what we probably need right now is the uh, the song Under Pressure, and, and then we'd have it all made out. I was actually hoping that Matt would join us with this little bongo thing. I don't know what that that music right? that would be awesome yeah i told him i said if you could actually play under pressure that would be very cool by david bowie <laughs> uh, we could yeah, lock yeah. that thing out but performance anxiety or working under pressure is is really no joke and so if you've ever stuttered when talking if you've ever uh, forgot your next move in a movement to contact situation if you've ever humiliated yourself on your first date well, you know, your body has just sabotaged you into a high voltage situation. So it's people with cognitive ability, though, or more working memory that's been studied to find that they choke under pressure the most. And that's the opposite of what most people would think. So pressure makes high achievers perform more like their lower achieving counterparts. Anxiety eats away at their resources. And I thought that was really interesting because in a lot of cases, people believe that if you really train and you get your muscle memory down, that everything will be fine. Well, in many cases, that's true, but you'll also have those situations where those high achievers and those those people who um, have the more cognitive cognitive ability, more working memory will still run into situations where the body in a high stress, high anxiety situation will still turn on them. Well, I kind of like the uh, fact that you brought up the whole uh, – it's like a the first date scenario. That's kind of a fun one, I think, to uh, always venture through first here because, I mean, honestly, I can remember coming to, like, you know, my first platoon, first first, first uh, ODA, and probably the ODA was probably the most interesting one, I would say, just because I remember watching uh, a guy across the hallway have his stuff just hurled outside of the team room, and, you know – I think I was barely 23, 20, no, I just turned 24 when I was getting to, uh, 094. And I remember thinking, holy crap, I hope I don't end up like that. And sure enough, uh, you know, my team sergeant comes up to me and he goes, uh, yeah, their uh, 18 Chuck didn't uh, do so well over there. And uh, he was like, what's your, your, your 18 Chuck, right? He's like, yeah, don't be that guy. <laughs> nice. And, and I was like, not a problem, Sergeant. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, and it, I had a really great team. Uh, I There were a lot of meat eaters on our team. And um, 
I, I fit in well to a degree uh, as it was already just because I, you know, I, I knew to keep my mouth shut and my eyes and ears open, but you know, every, every day is selection is like what we say. And it's true. I mean, you're always being assessed. You're always being watched. And you know, even when you don't think anybody's watching, somebody's watching. Yeah. I remember feeling a similar situation. I was in worldwide and you'd see these guys coming back from rip. So I'm, I'm just waiting to go to <laughs> Ranger selection and, you know, hoping I can pass because we don't have a whole lot of information when we get there. And you see these guys that are failing or quitting and they got blood rings around their boots from walking too far. Oh, yeah. Or, they, you know, they're just dragging their heads, you know, because they've been shamed so hard by the cadre for, you know, messing up as bad as they did or, or whatever they did. So I remember feeling a lot of pressure not to be that guy. Um, at the same time, you couldn't, couldn't always talk to those guys that didn't make it. So you didn't know what they did wrong. So you couldn't, couldn't really anticipate the pitfalls. But, you know, you you're already there. So you just got to go and stand on the line. Right. Well, these are the type of things that even affect, you know, the best of athletes. I mean, they can train, like we said, as much as you want, but you know, stress also is not necessarily a bad thing. Right. I mean, at the right level, stress is a good thing. Stress means you care really is what it comes down to. It can motivate you. It can make you work harder and you can use stress to your advantage. Recognize the physical symptoms, you know, like a rapid heart rate, shallow breathing, and re- remind yourself of those stress values and use that to your advantage if you know actually how to use those types of tools to help you even get better. But it also can be a way that can really destroy you and your body if you let it overtake you over time. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I kind of see stress as a fight impulse. It's sort of a warning, like yeah. fear. It means be alert. When you're afraid, be alert. Go into things with your head up on a swivel. When you're stressed, it's time to start fighting because something in your life isn't right. Something's causing some kind of friction and you need to overcome that. And if you just sit there and wallow in apathy, then your strategy is to hope that it goes away, you know, and you're just going to have to accept whatever circumstances deal with you. So I always use it as a marker for me. Like this is, it's time to fight. It's time to redouble my efforts. It's time to reassess my goals and uh, reassess whatever my techniques and tactics to get through whatever situation I'm in are the ones that I'm using. So. Yeah. You bring up the fight or flight too, and I think it's funny because my wife gets on to me pretty bad at times because I can be pretty fighty. There's not too much flight unless it's like <laughs> something overly emotional, and I, and I've, I'm getting better as the time goes on, but uh, and as I become more aware of those things or whatever. But um, it's funny because we do because you you start you know you back baby into a corner and. I, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of that. And so right. I'm like, all right, start to fill up the Dukes and <laughs> start getting my way, find my exit. How many times, though, have you seen those uh, individuals that are like even kill, though? I mean, they, nothing ever stresses them out. I always kind of worry about those guys more than anybody. <laughs> right. I think I'm usually yeah. that guy. And I, let me tell you, it's all, it's all an act. Okay. Like inside, I'm a little little teapot blowing my whistle but outside of my little tool you know i oh, just yeah. an old You're beautiful i like the way you did that pool. move too oh. yeah i like the way you did the little teapot <laughs> act there you know <laughs> i've been practicing i think it's back into us expecting more from ourselves so like he said earlier he was getting ready for a ranger school and he saw a lot of people not make it so then there's that pressure that you add to yourself nobody's really telling you anything you just start overthinking and stressing yourself because you want the best for yourself and you see this in a training environment especially if you have the opportunity maybe like you aj that sits back as an instructor and can actually witness this from the students that are going through the program you can start seeing the individuals if you're able again to take the time to evaluate as a leader 
going through specific stressful situations or you want to apply stressful situations to them to see how each person is going to react differently. And it's a great lesson or a great opportunity for a teaching moment to say, hey, listen, things are not always going to run as smoothly as the, Mm -hmm. you know, the games that we play on Xbox and PlayStation. You know, there's going to be these high level, high anxiety type of situations where everything and anything is going to get thrown at you and you have to know how to react and, and how how each of you are going to act differently, especially if you're on a team. Mm-hmm. I think you hit it on that. We have to know how to react. During our training, we have our final FTX, and they do their op order prior to any mission. But nothing ever goes according to plan. So it's their job as leaders to come up with an alternate solution on the spot. And that's make it or break it. Your team's either going to fail or they're going to pass. What, what is the saying that you say, Eric? Uh, two is one? Yeah, two is one and one is none. So, I mean, I've always got a contingency plan. And, I mean, (laughs) not that I need it anymore, but even when I was, like, in the dating world, yep, I was like, nah, if uh, Girl X doesn't work, I guess Girl Y will be the next. Or, you know, hey, um, (laughs) if School X doesn't work, I guess School Y will be the go-to, you know, and and so on and so forth. And and I joke about that, but, I mean, like – that you have to realize that at the end of the day, the only person that you can control is yourself. And the only, you know, situation that you can control is how you choose to feel, you know? And I, I went through, uh, some classes before, um, with regards to just like how to, uh, understand how to manage, you know, personalities better that were on a, uh, on a team or, I mean, even in your personal life, it was, you can say that certain people, you know, spark a certain emotion, but ultimately you choose to act upon that emotion. Mm -hmm. And what I mean, like I can say is like, you know, Robert, you make me happy and AJ, you make me mad, but that ultimately I'm the one that chooses to either feel or not feel those certain ways. And it's how you react to it too. Like if you have a a negative mindset, you're going to react in a negative way. If you have a positive mindset, it's going to be totally different. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I think the the biggest thing to tell yourself or ask yourself if you're being controlled by your emotions, like uh, like you said, Eric, if uh, if I put a steak in front of a a good dog and I tell him to sit, he sits. Right now, he wants the steak just as bad. I've created that. It's my fault. The steak's there. And if I put a steak in front of a bad dog and the dog eats it up, when I tell him not to, then that's a bad dog, right? So are you a good dog or a bad dog? Are you in control of your emotions yeah. or not? Because there's all these external factors. Nope. There's the cheeseburgers and the women or the you know, the person you desire, or the job that you want, or the person whatever it is, and they may the guy that pushes your buttons, he's always gonna be there. And if he goes oh, away, you'll find goodness. a new one. So how are you gonna handle that? You need a good dog or bad dog, man. I have to tell myself that a lot. <laughs> when you think about the combat situations in a high stress environment, when you're out on you know the other side of the wire and actually in a mission environment, nothing is probably going to go totally to plan. There's going to be those situations that's going to arise that you've got to make sure you know how to handle the situation. Um, you know, let, let's say for instance, you know the. Uh, visibility is really bad or not what you expected when you arrive, whatever the situation may be, how then are you going to react, move the uh, either the people that are around you to the, the right situation or put yourself in the right situation because it could literally be a life or death. I think it falls back. Yeah, into most definitely. Making a decision is better than no decision in that point. Uh, you're so stressed and the body just goes into shock and we just freeze. Um, well, we have to make a decision on the spot. 
it's better than just having your team just sitting there and not reacting to anything. Well, even with that, uh, as you bring it up, AJ, is if you make, if you choose not to make an action or you choose inaction, it's still an action. If you choose not to make a decision, it's still a decision, you know? Yeah. I think the most important thing to remember is if you don't do anything, you're okay with how everything is right now. Mm-hmm. Like, so if you're feeling stressed and you, you feel like you can't get up and move. Um, I, I was in a situation like this. We were out in, I don't even know what province anymore, way up north in Afghanistan. And I was, uh, at a blocking position and you know our platoon had started to move through this village and they were separated into two assault forces one on the north side one on the south side and uh, the the north side was engaged and so i thought okay i'm gonna head over there do some sniper work help them out and then the south side got engaged and then they got engaged in the middle so now all of a sudden we're completely engaged mm. and i'm like i can't hear which fighting is worse they can't tell me anything on the radio because they're managing their small units. And it was a, probably the only time I've ever really felt frozen or indecisive because I'm, where do you go? Where are you the most needed? And you can't tell you have no input. It's the middle of the night. You're in this hostile village that you're going to have to walk through alone to get to where you're going. So, you know, I decided just go up the middle, do something. And whatever firefight dies down sooner, I'll go to the other. And it worked <laughs> out okay. Nobody died. Thankfully, well, none of us died. So, well, you think about the fight or flight that you mentioned earlier, though, Paul. I mean, that's a huge part of the brain where you know it processes memory, interprets emotions, and makes what are often inappropriately called gut decisions. And at that moment, you have to make those types of gut decisions that you're describing. And um, I, I think it's really important then to to know how to to clearly take control of that situation because you're never going to know that fight or flight unless you get in that moment and somebody puts you in that high stress situation where you feel like it is your life or someone else's life and your life that have been put in that. Um, We don't always do that necessarily in a training environment. Sometimes it's hard to really hard to really get our troops to that level. You know, the, the people that we're leading Um, and it's not until combat until we find out just what some people are made of. But I think it's not just about being in combat or being outside the wire. I think it really falls in every aspect in our life as well. Um, You know, you have people that are in an office and they're taking too much on their plate and they end up getting overstressed, overwhelmed because they just constantly say, yes, I can do this. At the end of the day, they can't. So it's it goes back to basics, fight or flight. You're either going to take care of it or you're going to ask for help, right? Yeah, most definitely. I've seen this in all walks of life, whether it was in the military or in the private sector. And I mean, you can see it in the corporate side. You can see it even, you know, in skills trades and stuff, you know, when things don't go necessarily as planned. Um, In a lot of cases, individuals are put in stressful situations, either like you're mentioning, because they may take on more than what they can really handle at the moment. Um, or they're put into positions because of their their level of experience and everything that's assumed that that individual can handle that situation and to handle that level of stress. I used to tell my uh, kids as they were looking at going into the job market that um, there's a reason why people make a lot more money as you begin to progress up through the ranks of the private sector. And the reason why is because the level of stress and the level of commitment and dedication to that employer increases as you begin to go up. And so because of that, they think that they, the way they being the, the employer thinks that the way that they can um, help you with that is to compensate you through money. 
uh, or benefits and that that's going to take care of it. If we're not taking care of ourselves outside of that, it's really easy to fall into prey into depression, anxiety, Mm -hmm. and the other body aspects that's going to start taking control over you. uh, And you don't realize it until it creeps up on you rather quickly because you may not be noticing the signs. I recently noticed that the Air Force has shifted in that matter where, yes, one of our uh, core values is service before self, but never before family. So coming in, it's service before self, service before, before self. And I can relate to this because when my mom passed, we were low manning and I got three days off and I had to get back to work. But I, was, I wasn't taking care of myself. I didn't have uh, the time to grieve at home. I wasn't doing well, um, but I was still going to work. And that really led me into a, a, a bad position. But now the Air Force has gone in more into take care of your stuff, take care of yourself, because if you don't take care of yourself, then you can't do the mission. If you need time off, let us know. And they've become really open about that. And I'm really thankful for that because before it was just, oh, well, you know, that's too bad. That's the Air Force. And then when you're out doing the mission, you're, you're just not mentally prepared because your mind isn't there you're think you're worrying about other things that you shouldn't be worrying about when you're on duty yeah and i think that that's an evolution that's finally coming around with mm-hmm. the military in general because i know i came from the society especially in the uh, soft realm that you know if you even hinted at you were having some sort of issues with pts or whatever mm-hmm. boom you were, you were gone and i and i know that i've hit on this yep. before uh, and, and i mean i know for myself personally i lived in denial for years of of the fact that i was dealing with stuff i mean i i mean i'm not gonna lie i i dealt with nightmares just last night or whatever and it sucks but i mean mm-hmm. and it's you know, it's one of those things i've learned how to deal with over the years but because i finally got the proper treatment for it but at oh. the same mm-hmm. time uh, i mean i remember my father passed away pretty sh- soon after i got uh back from oef1 after i had just graduated sfas and i mean i think i had five six days to take care of business and then it was back to mm-hmm. the field for a month and then i headed off to the queue and the rest is history and i mean yeah. they're just it, it was like we got to pump, we got to pump the shotgun and get it going again. So let's get going. Um, and there wasn't a whole lot of time. And I know particularly, and I, I won't rant too much about it, but I mean, uh, this uh, here in a couple of days will have been 11 years since my buddy Ken took his life that was on my team. And I mean, I remember oh. trying to deal with him uh, several times, uh, and and even as. Well, I didn't understand it quite as well, but probably a year after I was on my team, um, we were on a J set and I had already had a couple of deployments, but still I was pretty young. And so I was keeping my mouth shut, but, um, Ken had shared with me and one of the other echoes on my team, like his journal, uh, from OIF one where, uh, and he was the medic that was working on Kelly Hornbeck when Kelly, uh, got killed in, um, there in Baghdad. I believe it was Baghdad. If I remember correctly, it was either Baghdad or Mosul. But, uh, I mean like some of the things, the recounts that were in the, those, uh, diaries and then on top of it, the stuff that Ken had gone through and kind of put mm-hmm. himself through as well too. It was starting to pile up, but nobody really said anything. And I remember we we pulled him aside uh, after we found out he almost got himself in trouble legally uh, pretty badly. And, I mean, having some pretty stern conversations and we thought, okay, we've got this Mm -hmm. fixed. And then, again, um, he he did something silly uh, in – 
the fall of, or well, he had gotten a brain injury in like the fall of 2006 time frame, and I can tell you after that he was never the same, mm. unfortunately. And I, I mean, to the point, I, I, I wondered if he was trying to take his life then at that point in time because he had a pretty yeah. nasty ATV crash because we were on a mobile over snow team, okay. but it all it all came to a head uh, in um, February of uh, 2008, and I mean there was like no time to process it because we were already on the PMT cycle for our, I think at that point in time, that was like my third, my third trip, fourth trip going into Iraq alone. So, I mean, our, our time to grieve was, it was abrupt. And especially for those guys that, uh, had even known kid better than I did. I, I it's crazy how, and then I, Probably after the fact, probably 2013 time frame, 2014 is when everything started finally adding up for me. And I was like, okay, I got to take a T and fix this. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what's interesting is that a a recent study uh, revealed that 80% of employees complain of experiencing pressure at work and nearly 60% want to quit their jobs because of high stress levels. Now, that's not even in the military. We're talking in the private Mm -hmm. sector here. So, you know, when you think about leaders and and trying to um, see the signs or see what's going on in people, people react very different uh, very differently to stress, and each one of us have to know as leaders what our capabilities of our personnel are, and and it's somewhat difficult too because first you got to manage yourself, right? You got to make sure that you're you're taking care of yourself and learn how to build that internal capacity to cope with the pressure by pivoting from negative to positive, from stress to coping, and from panic to assurance. And then you got to make sure that you're not putting too much pressure on yourself as well as the people that you're in charge of. You're controlling your own expectations and you're controlling the expectations of the people that are below you. You're staying focused and alert, you know, more, you know, when you, when you're thinking about keeping your mind firmly focused and completing the task at hand and making sure that it's a very focused driven approach. And then Quit worrying about perfectionism or zero tolerance, as a lot of people like to call it. You know, I, I, I you got to make sure yep. that you you allow people to make mistakes, and you're yes. you, and you allow yourself to make mistakes. You you don't hold yourself to such a high standard that you don't realize that you know what I'm I'm going to make a mistake, and mistakes are all part of learning. And then um, sometimes I I hate to say it, but you got to look at like the eighty twenty rule. What's right 80% of the time versus 20% of the problem or something so that you're focusing mm-hmm. on the bigger chunks and the things that you can probably, uh, you know, take care of that's manageable and set a clear boundary and stuff. You know, there's many other things that you can do for yourself and for a leader, but that's some of the, the big tips to make sure that you're, you're not holding yourself to a bar or an expectation that you really can't manage. I think it's important to point out, uh, like you said, it's not just a combat situation that can create this. I've found actually more stress in my civilian life since I've transitioned than I ever did in in combat. Now, it's not the same Mm because I know I'm not going to die, but I also don't have a platoon full of Ranger buddies that are going to back me up. I don't have a first sergeant who's been doing exactly what I've been doing for the last 15 or 20 years that knows all the pitfalls I've been through. My support apparatus is reduced very, very, very much. Yeah, post military. Well, and I was, I, I was thinking about that. You expect it, right? Good. You expect stress in the military. You expect yes. your friends to be injured or hurt, or yourself to be injured or hurt. You expect to have to go and do terrible things and see terrible things. But I don't. I didn't expect to be homeless for the last month because my apartment flooded and now the whole thing's being gutted. You know, and I was not ready for that. And now I'm finding myself. How in a did very you not plan situation. for that, Paul? Yeah. I mean, I've got my emergency <laughs> savings. I'm spending that. You know. But, <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> and mom's I mean, basement is always cool, right? 
Yeah, Mo's yeah. basement's actually really cool. It's <laughs> no, not too bad. <laughs> Paul, Paul, you, I wanted to touch on something that you brought up there is the, the support system thing. And I was talking to a friend of mine, Aaron, the other day, and I said, why don't we as like, you know, we as a transitioning vets that are going into corporate world. And I mean, this can happen for anybody. It doesn't have to be a veteran that leads this or whatever, but we have yet to really establish those support systems. We can, I mean, things are starting to change in those environments because, you know, we're feeling empowered as a veteran community, but, and as a people, um, to work resiliency. But I think that that's something that has to, um, it's going to take some time and obviously because, you know, that's going to be a shock and awe to some people that are in the corporate world that have been like, what, what what there's you know there's like uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be like the frg or something but like right. there there's some sort of a professional development system where we go and hang out for a little bit it doesn't it shouldn't probably be on beers or whatever uh, personally speaking um but like something that you know provides us a um an outlet and then the other thing that i was going to come back to rob stuff was resiliency mm-hmm. although we train upon resiliency I don't see people utilizing resiliency as much because we we've kind of become. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not going into the millennial thing because I think that's dumb. To personally, I, I don't like those labels. Uh, but I our resiliency with regards to entitlement versus accountability and ownership of like ourself first off, and then you know what we say and what we do um, to help ourselves you know get through these things because I think that. Um, you know, everybody's always talking about the good old days or whatever, and they're not always that great of good old days, but at the same time, there were tests of, you know, willpower and stuff that were very, very vital for people that we're not seeing as much of these days because, you know, we're relying on somebody else to always take care of us. And that's not how it should be. Yeah. What is it saying? You're doomed to repeat history. If you don't learn from it, you're doomed to continue living in the same cycle and, and causing the same pain, the same problems. And so, yeah, there's a lot to be said from the past and the way that we did things previously. I, I think that if you put yourself in stressful situations and you, you learn how to, to work and, um, and better yourself in those types of situations, that's great. But I, Again, I think that nothing's going to prepare you for that moment that's going to be at its at its peak. It's mm-hmm. it's just going to be hard to try to to do in a training or a preparation type of environment. You know, people can throw some stuff at you, uh, but when you know the bullets are flying, and and I mean whether it's a boardroom or in a combat situation, you're going to really find out what the people are made of. You're going to find out what those team ma- uh, members are made of. And Paul, you alluded to the fact that when you get out of the private sector, you may not have that nucleus that you had. That is one of the main things that people find when they transition is that that team environment that you had, that nucleus that you had, of people taking care of one another, truly taking care of one another. And when you get in a combat situation, it's not not always for mom apple pie. And country it's for the guy next to you and so you know you don't have that when it's out here in the private sector because it's in a lot of cases it's everybody for themselves and so it is one of the things that can cause a higher stress level more anxiety and depression for people making that transition you can't prepare for that you just got to understand that those are the things that you may face Um, and, and there are ways in which you have to if nothing else work on 
techniques to deal with your own anxiety and stress, mm-hmm. breathing techniques, uh, quiet time. You know, I know if Matt were on, he'd be probably talking about yoga at the moment, you know, and, uh, and, and that type I of really stuff. I really love but, his take too on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of different ways and maybe what we can do is talk about some of those ways in which we can help alleviate or remove some of the, the stress. What are some of the ways in which you guys do it? So, I like to always have a backup plan and a contingency plan and a tertiary plan, you know, for certain things. And that just shortcuts some decision making. I, I, as soon as I moved, moved to a new area, find somebody that can take care of my animals if I need somebody to take care of my animals. And, you know, obviously emergency savings. And then you got to figure out if I'm going to be displaced from my home. And the only reason I really thought about it when I moved to New York is because I had some close friends and they've got horror stories about Hurricane Sandy. And I thought I'm moving right there to the epicenter without where that was. If, you know, shit's going to hit the fan. What am I going to do? And I'm going to bug out to Colorado because hurricanes aren't big enough to hit Colorado yet. So that's what I did. You know, I tapped into the emergency savings. I called my friends that could watch my animals. And, you know, I got, I got back to Colorado and everything's sort of on an even kill. Now I'm really stressed out because all my stuff, all my possessions are scattered and all that. But I don't really have to worry about, you know, how I was going to get out of the situation. I'm just trying to figure out how to get back on an even keel. And I think that that's the biggest one. The other thing I try to think about, we used to think of mental health as a sort of brawn that you had and you should mm. toughen up and you should redouble yes. your efforts and try harder. And what we're finding out, and this is scientific, is that mental health, it's a resource more like money. And if you don't have it, you can't make it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to um, conserve it and you have to spend less on certain things so that you can focus on the things that are really important so you can get through this stressful situation. So thinking of my mental health as a resource and thinking of my mental energy, my daily energy as a resource that is finite versus I'm just going to gut it out and I'm going to fight as hard as I can until I'm on the other side has really been helpful because I'm, I'm not fighting when I shouldn't be. Exactly. And I'm, I'm reading Gino Wickham's uh, tra- Traction and it's a, it's a book about being an entrepreneur, but um, Paul brings up a really good point. Uh, and what uh, Gino calls it is the, uh, the monkeys that people bring and, you know, dropping people's monkeys off away from you. And but what, I, what I mean by that is like, you know, somebody comes to you with problems, you know, sometimes there's only so many problems that we can process. And going back to like the bank account theory, you know, of transactions and so on and so forth, you know, sometimes you're taxed, you're done. You don't have any more to put in the bank and withdraw or whatever. And and so be mindful. Uh, I try to be mindful now of the monkeys I drop off with like a commander or my sergeant major, um, and and then, you know, or my bosses or whatever. And then the other thing is, is like, be mindful of like, you know, what monkeys are actually worth tackling for somebody. I mean, and, and that's going to be a case by case basis. There is no cookie cutter answer, but obviously there's going to be frivolous monkeys opposed to, you know, Hey, I've got to handle that monkey, you know, whether, be you know some like somebody else's crisis or your own you know there's a video on youtube that came comes to mind it's called a valuable lesson for a happier life and it's about a teacher that goes into a classroom he has a jar and he starts dumping in uh, golf balls and he asks the the students is there still room in here and everybody says no it's full of golf balls so he gets pebbles and he throws them in there well is there room in here now no, it's got pebbles and golf balls. And then he goes on to sand and there's still room because then he ends up putting some liquid in there. But the point of that video is that there's going to be big problems and they're going to be small problems. But you need to focus on what's important because there's always going to be room for better. And your happiness is going to de- uh, 
be determined but w- by what you put effort into, right? And so I, 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 just, I really like that video. Yeah, I've seen actually that used in so many different scenarios. And mm-hmm. uh, for people who haven't seen that perform, that actually is kind of eye-opening. And you can see really how much you can take on or a person can take on that they may not realize because they've never been placed in that situation. I think for me, you know, looking at high-pressure moments, you got to look at it as, um, is it life-threatening or not? And I used to ask people mm-hmm. that because I guess that goes back to the military days of if it's not a life-or-death situation, we just need to paint paint this for what it is. Let's make sure that we're distilling it down to its simplest form. Is there something here that we can look at more as a fun challenge as opposed to a high pressure moment or what you believe to be a higher pressure moment? The next thing is just looking at like, is it a good opportunity? Is it an opportunity for uh, or a challenge uh, versus an opportunity? In other words, is it something that I can take on as something new and learn and go and get additional knowledge to help me handle this situation and make Mm -hmm. myself better or um, that I can help somebody else through reading books or, you know, giving them mentoring or guidance and stuff to help them move forward. Um, Is it that I'm focusing on the task or am I trying to look at the outcome too? So am I focusing on the little bits and the things that I can control and not, you know, trying to always think about the end game and the things that I don't necessarily have control over? So again, what is it that I can actually focus on? Is it more of the task at hand and, and not the outcome? Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, trying to take control of the things that you can take control of. You oh, know, yes. When, you know, if you try to put too much emphasis into trying to boil the ocean, it's just never going to work out. So what are the things you can control? What are the things that are out of your control that somebody else has a um, decision or makes those decisions for you? Then let's just, you know, again, distill it down to what is it that you're actually trying to control and um, versus those things you're trying to control that you have nothing to do about start leaning then back on your back successes what were the things that you did previously that helped you through a similar situation or that a mentor or a friend or somebody had a very similar situation that you can lean on and think of their experiences of um, yeah these are the things that I did or um, you know that may be able to help you Robert in, in this type of situation or hey I know this doesn't sound the same, but I had a very similar situation in the past um, that I did this type of action and I came out of it. And so what that starts doing is giving you the confidence that there was light at the end of the tunnel, that you did make it through. It wasn't the end of the world, you know. Get in touch with your senses. What are the things that are driving you crazy or making you have high anxiety? And um, figure those things out. And again, what are the things that you can control? I've shared on this podcast before that I was in a very high stressful situation and a very high stressful position at one time to which at the end of this, my son-in-law even made a comment to me after several weeks of being away from it, that it's good to have you back and not even realizing that I had been gone mentally for so Mm -hmm. long and focusing on something that was very stressful um, that was not necessarily putting the emphasis and the attention of the right area that I should have been placing into it. And so I, I think these practices and these things I just mentioned, honestly, you know, you can do things like breathing techniques and stretching and get up and walk around and set, you know, step away from the moment at the, or the things that's happening at the moment so that you can clear your brain. But just the little things, what is it that you can take control of? What are the lessons that you learn beyond this? What are some of the things that you're feeling right now that you can control? Those little things, I think, go a long way. 
Or even just talking with somebody. Sometimes, you know, getting stuff out instead of bottled it in makes you feel a thousand times better. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important if you find yourself in a high stress stress situation, uh, especially in the civilian side, it's really important to reach out to the people you trust, you know, that you seek advice from. Like, don't be embarrassed. I, I do that all the time. Like, I don't want to face somebody with this problem. I don't want to bother somebody with this problem. Mm-hmm. It costs them a conversation. It's it's real easy. And, you know, don't forget to recreate either. There's a And that video AJ was talking about, you know, at the end they pour beer in there. There's always room for beer with friends, you yeah. know. yeah. Sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need to stop looking at whatever you're grinding up against. Take a break, get to the gym, have a cheeseburger with a friend, something like that. Let's sit yeah. back and see Cheeseburger how sounds amazing right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just had one. It was I really kid you good. not. I, and this is kind of like off topic, but it kind of has a little bit to do with it. It was like staying with this. And, and like I, I, I had to call my wife last night because I'm, I'm really trying to stick to my meal plan and stuff. And coming to this, I was like, because I've realized that like my mental health has been severely impacted by, you know, the nutritional choices or lack of nutritional choices that I had been making for like the last couple of months because kept making excuses. I drive like at least three hours a day, uh, from work or to and from work. Um, and I mean, it, you, you, again, monkeys start piling up and I was like, you know, what? I started letting things go. But in the last like, you know, week and a half, I've noticed like, I mean, I've dropped 10 pounds. I've freaking like, I have the mental capacity to answer questions. I'm not nearly as short at times when, when I am a little bit tired or whatever, or when it's later in the day and like all these things start adding up. And sure. I think that we always get like how hand in hand, a lot of things go with regards to spiritual fitness, mental fitness, you know, physical fitness. And then, you know, and then our work environment gets impacted one way or the other, uh, just as well. And it's, it's always interesting to see, you know, for myself, especially like, uh, yep, I know I'm starting to slack there. And then, and then you kind of like, I, I remember, you know, before probably about six years ago, if like one thing started going bad, it was like, well, I can let this go bad because I'm not dead yet. So here we go. <laughs> and, and and it, it and I would do some stupid stuff, and um, since that point in time, it kind of makes you think. Okay, I I gotta give forgiveness to myself, I guess. And I know that maybe this is kind of off the subject a little bit, but at the same time, it kind of ties into you know how do we maintain this state of uh, capability and awareness so that way uh, we can continue being the person that we really want to be, not just mm-hmm. aspire to be. You mentioned about the food and all that kind of stuff, and I think it definitely plays into all of this because it can cause other mental aspects, like you said, where you're creating more stress, not realizing you're not getting the proper sleep, you're not getting the the proper nutrition and those types of things. So maybe, maybe the first step is to understand, am I causing this stress? Am I the one that's bringing this on or is this being brought to me by someone else can i control that situation can i control that individual you know that's bringing the stress you know um what is it that i can control from that you know in other words just really start slowly breaking into distilling it down because if you do find that you're the one that might be bringing the stress and aj to your point this might be where you have to reach out to somebody that knows you very well to go hey does this sound like something i'm bringing on because you know somebody who knows you is going to give you a gut check and go yeah it 
you know, this is totally all you. You need to take a moment, you know, go punch a bag, go lift some weights, get away and step <laughs> back into this thing because you're just not looking at it the right way. Yeah, I agree. You got to take control of something. In my case right now, I, I can't. All I can do is call, call the contractor, right, and get updates. But if I worry about it all day long, that's not any good for me. It's not going to help him. It's not going to make the process faster. Mm-hmm. If I go to the gym, it's going to make me feel better. If I go grab a cheeseburger with my nephew, that's going to make me feel better. <laughs> I can do those things. Yeah. It's positive light in my day. Screw it. Yeah, and I can yeah. guarantee so, you there's plenty of us that have had similar sim- situations where we've had a pipe burst or something that happened at the spur of the moment that just totally upset us, and it may have happened at the worst opportunity, as a matter uh, of fact, because, you know, things come in threes, and so we mm-hmm. may have two other things that are going wrong at that exact same moment, and it's just like, oh, my God, my world's coming to an end. Take a deep breath. Everybody's been there. It may be different in a scale, but trust me, it's not quite that bad. And again, it may not be a life or death situation, but you've got to take control. Exactly. I was just thinking of the, uh, there was a few weeks ago that task and purpose had a pretty funny meme and I can't remember if it was Michael Scott or uh, honestly Patrick Starr, but it like, it was looking at a paper and it said, when you real that moment, you realize that I've been the one responsible for all my problems, (laughs) but it's true sometimes. I mean, I remember for myself and, and I do that occasionally here when I realize that I actually, I mean, I hardly ever make mistakes, but I mean, oh, okay. I asked my wife, <laughs> but, but like, when you have you. that like aha, aha moment or the still small voice that's going, Hey, you need to fix that. And it's like, shoot. Yep. Yep. That's my fault. That's my bad. <laughs> yeah, and this but, is, this I mean, applies to everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're military or civilians because, uh, I mean, some, you, you may have some crow pie. Yeah. Sometimes you may find out that that NCO or that officer or whatever that you think's given a hard time. That's actually, uh, you know, coming down hard on you. Listen, they're coming down hard on everybody. You just may not witness it all the time. You may be calling yourself out and giving yourself a harder situation when the reality is it's being spread. The love is being spread, uh, you know, to everybody. But you're not in exactly. their situation, so you can't tell. Yeah. Uh, my, one of my daughters, uh, she's, most of the kids, honestly, are superstars at like whatever sports they put their minds to that I've got. And I know I, I'm very biased to that. But my, my daughter comes up to me, uh, I think it was last fall or last summer, and she was like, you know, the coach is really riding me, uh, you know, and I, I don't know if I want to continue doing this or if I'm not if I'm not fit for this. And I, and I pulled her aside. I was like, look, I was like, I had the same sort of instance when I was playing football uh, in high school. I, I mean, I was no nowhere near the level that you're capable of playing. But I will tell you this, that typically they pull you aside for those reasons to develop you, not to chastise you or beat you down, but because they expect something better of you. So that way you expect something better of yourself. And I, it's hard. We, we think that our kids are just going to automatically understand that or our youth or, or that our people even that we work with uh, on coworkers as a, a daily basis. But that's not always the case. And, you know, sometimes if there isn't that like even keel too of like, you know, at a boy, at a girl vice, you know, hey, I'm kind of disappointed in you uh, talks. You, you got to make sure that that feedback is getting there, too. But ultimately, like to use those things like you were saying, Robert, to be like, hey, I need to push myself a little bit then maybe because probably and more often than not, they see something in you that maybe you don't see mm-hmm. in yourself yet. Yeah, she's only yep. six years old, though, Eric. you got to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> she's 14. <laughs> no, it's true. 
So uh, I think, again, some of the things that we've talked about as far as slowing down, trying to distill it, um, you probably can take on a lot more than what you think you can uh, using the analogy that uh, was given as far as the the bowl and the the golf balls and the rocks and everything else. So, um, you know, don't put too much on yourself, but understand that you can take on a lot more and that are you also contributing to the factor by putting too much on yourself or by the the people that you're managing at the time frame, are you putting too much on them? Focus on the, the task, not the outcome. Look at the opportunities and everything that you're doing. Think of the high pressure moments more as a fun challenge. Try to, again, try to take control of the situation, however you can do it. And I think you'll come out a whole lot better in the end. Yeah, I agree. I, I always try to tell myself when I'm in a stressful situation, I, I need the gym the most now. I need my friends the most now. I need to, my routine the most. And when you fall out of that, then things really start to snowball. So that's my biggest strategy for stress is just how can I maintain my daily routine, my weekly routine, because this will pass and I'll get through it.